Alright, good morning everybody. It's good to be with you. I'm grateful to be with you this morning. Happy, uh, as I've said to the previous service, this is July 4th week. Happy July 4th. It's a declaration that you'll never have to listen to another foreign leader tell you how to live, what to believe, all that stuff. So uh, you get the sense of irony for the next 25 minutes or so. Um, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, I'm grateful for the chance to share some thoughts with you. Um, if you've been at Vintage at any point over the last six months or so, you've caught on to the fact that we've been moving through the book of Daniel. And as we look at Daniel, we meet a man who at age 14, he's taken into captivity, into Babylon. And he would spend the next 70 years of his life there, but not just him who's taken into captivity, but also his people, the people of Israel, this entire group is taken into captivity. And so as we have been studying together the book of Daniel, we can learn a lot of what it looks like to live in exile. And we can also learn by looking at the life of Daniel what it looks like to live with freedom even in the midst of exile. Because we examine the person of Daniel and we find a man who his character, his posture, his actions speak not to a man who is enslaved, but to a man who has chosen freedom. And so we learn from his life that we can be men and women who choose freedom even in spite of our circumstances, that we can transcend the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And so Daniel is this beautiful picture, but it has left me curious the last few weeks or so of being curious about the people that came with him into captivity that Daniel wasn't alone in this place, that the people of Israel, so many of them had been taken into this place of exile. And we get curious about what they're feeling, what they're thinking, what their choices are, what their posture is before God, what their posture is towards their circumstances. And we find if we turn together, if you have your phones or your uh, Bibles to Psalm 137, Psalm 137. It's this place where we find this psalm, this song that is written during the time of this exile that Daniel is in. And so we hold it side by side with Daniel's life and Daniel's choices. And we learn a little more about how the people that he is a part of, that he has come out of, how they are responding to their circumstances. And so in Psalm 137, it's sometimes known simply as the song of the rivers of Babylon. And it says this, Alongside Babylon's rivers, we sat on the banks. We cried and cried, remembering the good old days in Zion. Alongside the quaking aspens, we stacked our unplayed harps. That's where our captors demanded songs, sarcastic and mocking, sing us a happy Zion song, they said. Oh, how could we ever sing God's song in this wasteland? If I ever forget you, Jerusalem, let my fingers wither and fall off like leaves. Let my tongue swell and turn black. If I fail to remember you, if I fail, oh dear Jerusalem, to honor you as my greatest. God, remember those Edomites and remember the ruin of Jerusalem. That day they yelled out, wreck it, smash it to bits. And you Babylonians, ravagers, a reward to whoever gets back at you for all you've done to us. Yes, a reward to the one who grabs your babies and smashes their heads on the rocks. Now, I'm not a songwriter, the Psalms are songs. And if I was like the executive producer of this song production, I might be saying, could we look at that last verse again, please, folks? All right. 
as we're sort of worshiping together, it's like, all right, just our voices. It's like, ah, it took a little left turn, all right? And as I was exploring, like, as I got curious about how the people were responding to captivity and found this psalm, I, my, my initial response was like, well, I better find a different subject, all right? This isn't sort of like, this doesn't quite take us into July 4th week the way that we intend, all right? But we, as we're looking through the life of Daniel, we never want to forget the fact that he is a man in captivity and his people are a people in exile. And this is the song they are singing. And yet we learn in Daniel, we learn in his life that he is a man who in a sense, even though he is held captive, that he has made a declaration that he is a man who cannot ever be captured. Because in a sense, he has declared that his heart is captured by the love of God. He's declared that his mind is captured by the power of God. And he's declared that his vision is captured by the purposes of God. And so we see in Daniel a man, in a sense, who cannot be enslaved. That when we meet him in Babylon, as we've been moving through the last six months, we meet a man who is choosing to live it, to, to live independent of the circumstances that he finds himself in. That even when we meet him in the den of lions, he is a man who is free. That he is a man who is not enslaved by those things around him. That even though Daniel finds himself in the kingdom of Babylon, he in a sense has made a choice, has made a decision that he will be subject rather to the kingdom of heaven. That we find in Daniel a man who refuses to bow the knee to the king of his captives because he has chosen to bow the knee to the king of his freedom. That he is a man who has chosen freedom even though everything around him would point to enslavement. And yet we meet in his people in Psalm 137, a far more familiar song. You see, Psalm 137 is the song of captives. It is the song of a men and women who are looking at their circumstances and reflecting their circumstances in the song that they choose to sing. And we understand, if you're anything like me, Psalm 137 makes way more sense than the life of Daniel does to me. Because Daniel has chosen to choose freedom. And yet the people in their captivity are singing a song of captivity. And so we meet them in their song. And they sit by the rivers of Babylon, these rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates, that would be symbols for us throughout history of life and prosperity and fertility. And yet as they sit by these rivers, they cannot see the picture that it is trying to tell them. And they are crying and sad. And they are silenced that they have taken the instruments of harps that were intended for worship and they have laid them on the ground and they have made a declaration that says, it is impossible for us to sing a song of worship in this wasteland. And they have chosen to keep their voices silent. They have chosen, they, they say, they talk about the good old days, right? They have chosen to be the kinds of people who look back at what was previously look back at yesterday and declare that yesterday will always be better than tomorrow. That if only we could go back to where we were, then life would be better again instead of being a man like Daniel who is looking into the future. And they have chosen in their song to sing songs of revenge, to say that what has been done to them 
that what they long for and what they're crying out for is that the same thing would be done to the people of Babylon. And so they have chosen silence and sadness and revenge. And what we see when we hold these two realities side by side, the life of Daniel and and Psalm 137, we understand that both freedom and captivity are choices that we get to make. Because the reality is of Psalm 137, and I, as I said, I understand that response way more than Daniel's response. But the reality is that in choosing their sadness, in choosing their silence, in choosing their anger and their revenge, they had placed a captivity upon themselves that was far worse than the captivity that the Babylonians could ever place upon them. Because they had chosen captivity. They had chosen to be subject to their circumstances rather than receiving the invitation from God to elevate above their circumstances and choose to sing a song and play their harps and worship God even in the midst of their captivity. And so the invitation for us as men and women, as as followers of Jesus, is to pause and look inward and examine the places in our life where maybe we have chosen captivity And the invitation is for us to choose freedom. There's a reality, I think, that we, like the people in Psalm 137, we can choose those responses. As they say, they make sense to us. The Psalm of 137 is the natural response to a people in captivity. But the life of Daniel is a supernatural response to a man who has chosen freedom, even in spite of his captivity. And so what I want us to pause and remember for a moment is that we may not be under captivity of Babylon, right? We may not be under the captivity of like a foreign king with an English accent anymore, right? It's been a couple hundred years, all right? We're past that, okay? For the moment at least, all right? And so we're past past that. But the reality is that we as men and women, followers of Jesus, if you're anything like me, I do not live as free as I have been invited to live that there are areas of my life where I choose captivity. And so maybe like me, the the picture of this, the reality of this is that there are parts of myself, creative parts, maybe this is true of you too, the creative parts, the adventurous parts, the kind parts, the gentle parts, the generous parts, the adventurous parts, the, the giving parts, the parts that I know are present in you and I know are present in me. And the reality is that at some point in our lives, we made a decision to place those parts of ourselves in exile, in captivity. And again, like 137, Psalm 137, that choice made so much sense. Because maybe the creative part of you was expressed and it was shamed. Maybe the adventurous part of you was expressed and it was neglected and abandoned. Maybe the generous part of yourself was abused. And we become like the little boy or the little girl who is scared and is frightened of those things happening again. And so we run off into the cabin, into the woods and close the door behind us. And it makes so much sense why we do that because out there, we're far from all of the dangers that we feel over here. It's quiet out there. It's calm out there. It somehow feels safer, locked away in the cabin in the woods. And yet the reality is it is keeping us from the freedom that we've been invited into. Because we find ourselves locked away far from the freedom that God has for us. 
And the reality is as well, we build protections, we build stories around that cabin, if you like. We build protections and stories around our, our, um, our exile, our captivity. So we, we demonstrate the same things that the people in Psalm 137 demonstrate. That if any of these things show up in your life, then it's a symptom for us, it's a signal for us that something within our life is still being held in captivity. There's symptoms of looking back at the days that were and longing for them and trusting, believing with all of your heart that the days of yesterday will always be better than the days of tomorrow. You find yourself looking, sitting by the rivers of life and prosperity and yet you have chosen to live a life of silence, silencing the instruments of worship in your life. See, I can't play a harp. I don't know about you. I can't sing either. Those are, those are not my instruments of worship, right? I had piano lessons for a long time, which was probably more about my dad's woundedness as a child than mine. You know, it was one of those like, you'll thank me when you're older. And I'm like, well, I, maybe 20 years from now I will, all right? We're not there yet, you know? But I can't, that isn't my giftedness, right? But my talents, I have talents that are my instruments of worship to God. And you have them too. And the invitation is to examine which of my instruments have been silenced because I have made a decision that I can never worship in this wasteland, that I will never sing this song. Or maybe like me, it's the third final category that we see in Psalm 137 where the signals and symptoms of anger and revenge are in my life. And I have made choices and put my heart into a posture of anger and revenge that again makes so much sense. Can we just sit with the people in Psalm 137 and acknowledge that their sadness and their silence and their anger makes so much sense? And yet can we also acknowledge that the captivity that they have placed upon themselves is far worse than the captivity that was ever placed upon them? And so we find ourselves, parts of ourselves, held in captivity. It's like the parable of the talents where the generous master comes and gives talents to these three servants. And all of the picture that we see is just of generosity. The only requirement from the giver of the gift is that the receiver of the gift would invest the gift in such a way that it creates more life because the gift wasn't meant to be held by the receiver of the gift. It was meant to be for the benefit of others. And yet the one who receives the one talent, the master comes back and the one with the one talent has buried it and covered it and kept it hidden away. And the master asks him why. And he says, because I knew that you were a harsh man, even though nothing in the story points to his harshness. Up to that point, he has been generous with no strings attached. And yet this man was telling himself a story that it was easy for his talent to remain hidden and buried than it was to bring it into the world and invest it in the way that it was intended to be invested. And so we know that we have been given instruments of worship just like the harps by the rivers of Babylon. And maybe you, like me, have told yourself a story at times and the story says that there is no way that I can play this instrument now. I need to remain silent. And maybe you, like me, at times have chosen anger and revenge because the story tells us that that is a safer way to live than to live in freedom. The reality is when we study the people of Israel and the people of God, we learn that choosing freedom is often way harder than choosing captivity. 
You see, for 400 years, the people of Israel are held as captives in Egypt, right? So much of their life story in the Old Testament is them being held under the captivity of others. And for 400 years, they're held in captivity and finally they are brought free by God and they are walking through the wilderness and not a single person in that million or so people has ever experienced a day of freedom in their life. But here they are walking in freedom and it doesn't take long into that journey before they start turning to Moses and complaining before him. And they say, it would have been better for us to die in Egypt than to die out here that they were choosing the rules and the familiarity and the safety of captivity because the reality is a life of freedom takes more courage than a life of captivity. And so for you and I to be men and women who choose freedom rather than choosing captivity, we will be men and women who ask God for more courage. We will be men and women who choose to take the instruments of worship, our lives that God has given us and say, I will not bury this. I will, the story that I'm telling myself about the harshness, about the shame, about the bitterness, I'm not living under the rules of that story anymore. And so we see these men and women by the rivers of Babylon with their sadness and with their silence and with their vengefulness. And what they are doing in that, the attempt that they are doing is they are trying to protect themselves. You know what that feeling's like, right? You ever been in that space? It feels really good to be vengeful. It feels really good to look back and talk about the days gone by, talk about how good things used to be. But what we are doing in a sense is we are writing ourselves out of a story that God is writing for the future that he's inviting them to be like Daniel, to choose freedom. And so we're faced with this reality that if we are living lives of captivity, we cannot point outward at our captors. We can only look inward and acknowledge there are places in my life where I am choosing captivity and God is inviting me to choose freedom. And so Daniel was a man who chose freedom in the midst, in, even in spite of his circumstances. We see in the Psalms, they, in Psalm 137, they, they sit on the banks, they cry out, they ask, how could we ever sing a song of God in this wasteland? And Daniel, in a sense, lives his life in response to the cries of Psalm 137. He lives his life in response to the questions of Psalm 37 because Daniel gives us an example of what it means to sing a song in a wasteland. Because you and I do not need examples of men and women who live lives of worship when times are good. We need examples of men and women who live lives of worship when times are really, really hard. Because if the only way to be free is dependent on another human being or another people group or any of those things, then we are really, truly enslaved. And so the invitation for us as men and women, as followers of Jesus, is that wherever we find ourselves held in captivity, captivity that has been done to us, or wherever we find ourselves in spaces of captivity that is captivity that we have done to ourselves, we invite Jesus into that place 
And we say, Jesus, I am tired of choosing more captivity because the captivity I have done to myself is far worse than the captivity anyone else could ever do to me. And so we will be men and women who even by the rivers of Babylon, we will pick up our instruments of worship and we will sing a song even in a wasteland. Great.